Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. So whenever we talk about sleep uh, on this podcast, we always get lots of reaction uh, from people saying, yes, please, we need more information on sleep. Um, Could we know more? Sleep is really important for my resilience. Oh my goodness, I can't sleep well. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And all sorts of excitement in the sort of atmosphere about sleep. And so I thought to myself, well, why don't we talk to another expert? And so we've hooked up with Molly McLaughlin, whose website is sleepisaskill.com. And um, we're going to have a short chat. We're going to talk all about sleep. We're going to talk about um, what good sleep's all about, how to get sleep, how to stay asleep, what to do when you wake up after sleep, uh, and the sleep reset, which is something that Molly talks about. So good evening. Well, good evening where I am, Molly. Thank you for having me. That's, yeah, it's morning over here where I am on the, on the West Coast over in Vegas right now, actually. You're in Vegas. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Hey. I know. Wild, wild. Yeah, I've been um, for the last two and a half years traveling full time uh, with my boyfriend and we've been international for like a a big chunk of it. But um, we are over in Vegas right now, headed to New York City next week, uh, just hopping all around. But it is really nice weather right here. Right now it's wild coming from as as a Northeaster originally to experience sunny weather in the middle of winter. It's just very confusing and awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we're out we're there in a few months, actually. I can't wait. It's just such a great place to go. So, Yeah. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Excellent. And I think it's one of those things when you travel around the world a lot, you know, getting a good night's sleep is important, isn't it? Because different hotel rooms every night when we're speaking or training or working, one of the biggest challenges, that thing, and I find it with shift workers as well as that thing about the different work at the different, the wrong time of the, the day of a night with jet lag and all sorts of things. So um, I'm personally very interested to hear what you're going to talk about. Um, and I always find I learn tons when I talk to people about this subject. So I'm really excited to see what we're going to chat about today. So how would you describe who you are and what you do? Tell me more about yourself. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm happy to be on a, in a conversation with someone that's a fellow sleep enthusiast because it's it's fascinating area of research. Um, so who I am and what I do, you know, my name's Molly McLaughlin again. I started a company called Sleep is a Skill that works to optimize your sleep through a blend of technology, accountability, and behavioral change. Um, and how that came to be was really 
and which is why I'm happy to be on your podcast is that it came from a place of total, you know, burnout, honestly. And, uh, as an entrepreneur for many years, you know, burning the candle at both ends and sleep was something that just had zero, um, uh, kind of attention in my life for prioritization. And, and it was just in the back burner. Um, until I actually went through a period of intense insomnia for a bunch of months. And this was in, um, when I'd started adding jet lag into the mix of my already maladaptive sleep patterns. And so once I did that, then it was just kind of all bets were off and, um, and, and I can laugh about it now, but at the time it was really one of the lowest periods of my life. It was a real, you know, not to have a puns here, but a real wake-up call. It was it was something where I had to shift how I was being in many, many areas of my life um, in order to restore my sleep in a way that was reliable and count onable. Because at the time it occurred to me like, is this gonna always be this way? And I I actually went to the doctors. I was in Croatia at the time and, you know, couldn't speak the language, went in with Google Translate and left with the prescription of their version of like Ambien. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so in that moment, it was really a real uh, kind of draw a line in the sand time in my life of, okay, what direction am I going to go in here? And am I going to be reliant on a pill to get myself to sleep? Um you know, just, it felt very like, okay, something's got to change. And I tend to have a pretty obsessive personality. So I actually really went down the rabbit hole on this topic and became fascinated in what was, what for me was just totally unknown information around circadian rhythm optimization, uh, looking at the world of chronobiology into how I could bring it into my life. Um, and as I started bringing some of these principles in that I now, you know, live and breathe by, it, you know, everything kind of had to revamp and started working with people along the way. And, you know, originally just because it was such high heightened levels of empathy when I would hear other people that couldn't sleep, um, you know, cause I had been there. And then when I started bringing in some of these practices, bringing in different levels of tech that, um, people hadn't been exposed to, to track their sleep, um, some of the, you know, the, the before and afters that we would get to experience would just be mind blowing. I mean, it would be like a whole other type of life through the lens of transforming their sleep. So, uh, sleep as a skill was born now launching, um, a online training course and a podcast. And it's all come out of this, you know, real fascination and intrigue around what transformation is possible when we really take a real hard look at our sleep and then also bring in this idea of it being a skill set that many of us in our modern society are just not connected to. I certainly wasn't. Uh, so excited to speak more with you about those specifics. Brilliant. Okay. So, um, I mean, most of us know what sleep is. Um, I know most of us know what the bit, various bits of sleep are. We've heard of deep sleep, REM sleep, non-REM sleep, you know, um, alpha waves, that jargon just gets tossed around all over the place. Could you sort of um, sort that out for us a little bit so we know what sleep is and what's the, what's the sort of um, secret source of sleep, the best bits that you really need to make sure you're getting? Sure, yeah, great question. Um, so number one, as far as when we're, when we're talking about sleep, um, 
you know, it can be helpful even to back up and know that for, for humans, we're operating within a 24 hour um, rhythm, a circadian rhythm in, in which in our modern society, we are usually looking for a certain, you know, small chunk of that um, to be our sleep time. And when I say small, it's, you know, ranging for most adults anywhere from around seven to nine hours um, is what, you know, is kind of thrown around. And within that span of time, as a goal, um, we are looking to have as rich of quality of sleep and quantity of sleep as possible for ourselves. And based on whatever gender and age group you're in, levels of stress, there's all kinds of things that will impact those possible numbers. Um, But so from that place, then we break it down into four different stages. And you know, you have your light sleep, this transitionary sleep, you have deep sleep, and you have REM sleep. Um, so from that place, then you look at, okay, so what are my quantity? What's my, um, the breakdown for me? What's kind of the standard ratios that I'm exhibiting in my sleep quality? So what the traditional sleep architecture, you guys might have been familiar with, you know, seeing kind of a breakdown of what traditional sleep architecture can look like in a, you know, healthy, active human. Um, yeah. And what the kind of goal looks like is to have the majority of our deep sleep in the beginning of the night is, you know, these are very, we're talking in kind of basics right now, but um, largely in the beginning portion of the night. And then you're transitioning over to REM sleep in the later portion of your night. And with the thought process that that is to, there's different camps as to why that's, um, why we even move into that REM sleep. Um, but you know, one of it being the idea that that's helping us prepare for the day, helping, you know, kind of bringing us back online because you're really very active brainwaves in those in REM state, uh, REM sleep. And then um, your body temperature is warming up during that, the, during that period. And then you're transitioning into uh, full, fully being awake. So that's kind of an overarching idea of what it can look like. Now we can get into the specifics of what happens when things are not um, as countable and kind of ideal. And then that's when we'll see a lot of splintered sleep. We'll see maybe people skipping um, a big pul- uh, bulk of that deep sleep and you know maybe favoring a large percentage of REM, vice versa, or lots of light sleep. You know, so that's where we get into more of the skill set of how to uh, kind of bring that into a level of homeostasis where we wake up feeling refreshed. Brilliant. So should we should we um, slay some sleep myths? So one of the oh, um, yes. one of the myths that I often hear is I'll skip sleep during the week and catch it up at the weekend. What do you think about that? Yes. Oh my God, such a good one to begin with because really that. You nailed right, right there one of the biggest hurdles for many of us in our modern societies, and what that is actually gets referred to as um, social jet lag. And the reason it's called social jet lag is it's the idea that based on our um, you know, kind of social obligations or confinements or opportunities, that we maybe spend a big bulk of our week. To your point, you know, work days or you know five or four days out of the week, kind of consistent. Uh, doing a particular, you know, rhythm and then whatever the weekend happens or some, you know, those uh, count onable periods when then we tend to swing our, our consistency and we go into going to bed later, waking up later. 
Um, what the problems with that is that not only are you then putting yourself through your own self-created social jet lag, um, there's also a term uh, coined as metabolic jet lag, which is also when, because likely not only are you skewing the consistency of the time you're going to bed when you're going to bed much later and waking up much later, but you're probably also changing the time that you eat um, and, and maybe the types of foods that you're eating too, you know, especially if you add alcohol into the mix or, you know, uh, amp up the coffee and, you know, all these sort of things that are very ordinary, very normal um, in our society. So you bring those things in and then you're also experiencing metabolic jet lag, which are, those are two big cues to the body that um, the rhythm that was prescribed for it before and more normally is now thrown off. And now it's going to have to be working overtime to get itself back on track. And the downside of that is what you experience is um, the body is no longer having as strong of a level of circadian rhythm. So all of this really, um, this, you know, company of sleep is a skill. The whole point is to work to strengthen our circadian rhythm and it's called circadian uh, rhythm entrainment. And which is fascinating because it's that our body can really be trained. You'll see that when you go travel, you know, internationally and it will be so weird the first you know couple nights and you know you're going to the bathroom in the middle of the night like you know you're you went into you're just so crazy tired in the middle of the day like all of these mismatches but as you'll see within you know it takes a period of time a couple days what have you you start to then acclimate to your new environment which is phenomenal it's so interesting um, that our bodies are able to do that, which is really speaks to, you know, really resilience speaks to being dynamic. Um, and it can be a great cost. That's why we often, one of the reasons why we get sick when we travel a lot, when you change around all of the, the timing and the choreography of what's known as our master clock in our brain, that's really dying to keep everything on track. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of a look at that idea of, uh, oh, I can make up for it on the weekends because unfortunately we really can. And not only are we throwing things off when we do that, then we're spending the rest of the week trying to get back to how it was and spending the, you know, all seven days being kind of out of alignment. Yes. And it's, it is interesting. And one of the things I hear a lot from the sleep experts is this idea that you should treat the weekend very much as you treat the week. So if you, yes. if you naturally sleep a certain amount of time, sleep that. Um, um, I always hear this idea that you actually can't oversleep. And I think that's true, actually, because your body just tends to wake you up when you've had enough. Um, here's, yeah. here's, another myth, here's another myth I often hear. I'm sharper when I have less sleep. Yeah, that's an interesting one. So some people um, might experience or that phenomenon. I've actually heard a number of people um, kind of point to that. And you know what they can be pointing to is um, levels of kind of adrenaline that get released yes. and levels of often even anxiety that can you know can very be a very fine line between you know anxiety and kind of excitement or alertness. And you know while you might find that for a couple you know, times, the sustainability of that theory is pretty flawed based on, particularly, you know, the look at studies of people's aptitude um, after shortened uh, sleep duration uh, over a period of time and their ability to fulfill, fulfill on, you know, some simple kind of tasks, some simple quizzes or what have you. And it, it's just markedly different. And while we might experience ourselves as like, you know, on 
point when you look at the numbers and how that relates to um, our version of ourselves in a fully rested state, it's just clear. It's the same way you think, oh, I'm so charismatic if I've had a few drinks and you yes. watch back the tape and you're like, oh dear, <laughs> that was not charismatic. <laughs> that was, I like, that's, a, that's a great way of putting it. And I think the, I think the thing you've hit on there is really, you know, it's very smart actually, this idea that um, sharpness and anxiety go together. Because of course it's stimulating cortisol, yeah. but also you're getting a dopamine yeah. from this idea or a pleasure sort of reward hit. Because what you're doing is you, if you're not careful, you're sort of addicting yourself to a lack of sleep. And you, as you say, you're fooling yourself into believing you're sharper. And the number of people who actually look at their work the next day and, you know, have to redo it or examine the quality of what they do is, is a bit of a challenge. Right. Is is oh you got two more, I've only got two more of these silly myths for you, but um the, the ones okay, that great. there. I sleep best when I have my dog, stroke, cat, stroke, child <laughs> in bed with me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, well, and that's actually um a great one to look at too around these um far-reaching principles. So that can also apply to, I sleep best with having my, you know, TV on, having a nightcap, having all these type of things that we cling to, um, because those can actually be very helpful for feeling, you know, at ease, feeling relaxed, and then drifting off to sleep. So um, to that point, there's some, you know, there could be some reality to that idea on the, on the front end um, of the ability to fall asleep. Yes. And then um, but then on the, on the long end, it's if we were to, you know, hook you up to polysonogram, um, what is likely is that usually those things don't remain static. The dog doesn't just lay in a corpse-like position. The, you know, baby isn't just totally silent throughout the whole course of the night. Of course, the, the baby topic is a whole other oh, area, um, which, <laughs> which, yes. <laughs> and, and I also want to um, put in that I'm so empathetic in all of these topics because I've been, I, I haven't had the baby topic. I, I, I don't have the, my own personal experience with, but the, all the other things I get it. Cause you know, there's this sense of, listen, I want to just get a great night of sleep. These things make me feel at ease, make me feel at peace. Um, you know, and people are just often, a lot of the people that come to me anyway, they're at the point where they're just really desperate for a good night of sleep and they want the thing that they've known to work. So I get it. And on the flip side of it, if we're looking for sustainability and to feel amazing over the long term, um, things like, you know, the dog in the bed or what have you, the, the frequent wake ups, it's almost as if you're someone having to sleep next to a snorer or something where you are then experiencing some of these micro uh, wake in state and the problem with that is that it can interrupt your ability to get into those deeper stages that we were discussing earlier, the slow wave sleep and the REM sleep that are both really important to feeling rejuvenated in the morning. Right. Interesting. Now, your site is called sleepisaskill.com, as you said. And, and yep. I like your idea of treating sleep as a skill. So would you sort of unpack a couple of the key skills we should know more about? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, so first of all, the the reason um, I point to this kind of concept of sleep as a skill is that I think um, there's an opportunity for us to, you know, begin to speak uh, or think differently and kind of create a new paradigm around sleep. Um, because if we were to pan back and go to hunter-gatherer days and try to make that argument that sleep is a skill, I mean, to 
cavemen or something, you know, the, that period of time would just think it was ridiculous. It would just sound so nuts, right? Like it just, come on, you just, you go to sleep and that's the end of it. Um, however, uh, I'm really making the argument that in our modern day society, really post Edison, that what we've been doing as a culture is um, lengthening the span of our uh, natural days, because in the past the sun would set and beyond maybe a bonfire or later on the candle, uh, and then also bringing in the lanterns, you know, largely you went to bed after sunset, um, you know, plus or minus a short span of time. But of course, now in our uh, modern day society, only within the last 200 years, really, which is like less than that, which is really a blip um, in the time that humans have roamed this earth, it's we've really all begun to think that this is normal, you know, Netflix until one in the morning with popcorn and wine doesn't seem that weird. And yet it really is pretty weird um, if we pan out. So, um, so from that place, I'm making the argument that for many of us, we, there's an opportunity to go back to as if we knew nothing around what it takes to get great, great sleep um, and then start at the beginning. And so as we start at the beginning, then there's no judgment because like, you know, there's no sense of I'm a good sleeper, I'm a bad sleeper because that doesn't really apply in a skill set. You just build it up. Yeah. Um, so, right, it's, which is so important because I get so many people that are stuck in this, well, I'm a bad sleeper, my family was a bad sleeper, you know, whatever that even means, um, but it can keep us limited. So from that place, um, then we look at, okay, if we really are starting fresh, uh, you know, a blank canvas then what is there that is important to understand about sleep? So one of the first things that I speak to is this concept of, um, of time givers and they call them uh, zeitgeibers, but it basically just it translates to time givers in chronobiology. And what that looks like is that there are a number of things that are very important to keep the body on, uh, on time. And one of those, the, one of the most important things is a consistent um, exposure to light and dark and the light and dark conversation is a big one because, you know, we're exposed to so many different types of faux lighting and we don't think much of it. Most of us anyway, um, until then when you start to really get cued into this, you'll get very responsible around your lighting exposure. Mm -hmm. So that looks like the types of lights that are in your home, um, you know, many of, many of us have switched over to more energy efficient lighting, and then that brings in a more blue spectrum, um, and green spectrum. So out of those, those can suppress melatonin production. Um, and it's, it's pretty wild how much of a difference that can make in the body's knowingness to turn off. And if you hearken back to those hunter gatherer days, again, it would be very weird if in the middle of the day, then our body was being told to then go to sleep for a whole huge chunk of time. It wouldn't have done that. So that's what it's trying to do um, in our modern society when we have all these bright lights at us. Um, it's trying to just keep us in a rhythm that works. Um, so you want to get really responsible about your light exposure, um, but also making sure you get plenty of it in the very early part of the morning because that's really important, uh, something called sunlight anchoring, and that you're getting that um, particularly within your eyes, which connects to the, your master clock, your suprachiasmatic nucleus, and keep, uh, that will help keep the entrainment conversation on um, in a flowing state, in a harmonious state. And that will also relate to your hormonal uh, alignment of both cortisol and melatonin, which is really kind of what we're getting at here. So yeah. you look at light and dark, 
Then you go down to temperature, um, being mindful of uh, keeping temperature both on a higher side for your body during the day and lower at night. And some of the things that impact temperature then below that are meal timing, because that can warm up your body um, and also act as that metabolic cue. Um, and then exercise, movement, when we're putting that into our days. Uh, and then there's also a number of things that you can, number of modalities, whether it's heat therapy, cold therapy, uh, breath work, a few other things that you can do to start bringing in uh, some kind of homeostasis to your body's uh, kind of rest and digest systems to yeah. bring about both parasympathetic and uh, sympathetic states. So there's a lot there, I know, but yeah. um, it's really exciting when you start to pull that in in a way. I like, this, I like this idea that you've created this idea, this idea of a sleep risk profile. I think that's a smart idea, isn't it? Because I think mm. um, I think it's I think it's that thing about you, you sort of need to know you need to know you, you need to know what to cut out as much as what to start, don't you? Because actually, sure. in order to in order, in order to do anything new, you've got to sort of stop doing something else. So I think that's a real yes. smart idea. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah, you make a great point. Cause, and it's most also, um, I'm making the argument that I'm bringing in, uh, technology, accountability, behavioral change. And anyone that's familiar with behavioral change, um, you make that great point that if you cut something out, you really need to, uh, or there's an opportunity to add something back in, um, yeah. that's going to serve you in a better way. And so, and, and by the way, this also applies to our shift workers, which were incredibly grateful for and thankful for. They help, you know, keep our society moving in a way that works. Um, our medical community, there's, you know, so many people that are, it's so important that they are working on these counter to the things that I was talking about, the light and dark schedules. But even for them, then they can start instituting these concepts um, just kind of on a slightly altered way. So they'll create their own kind of faux light, dark system, faux, um, you know, kind of a metabolic state versus, you know, while they're eating versus not, uh, or fasted state. There's a lot that can be done there. Just that one takes a bit more finessing. Yes. Interesting. Now you mentioned, um, you mentioned something about sleep gadgets and I was, yeah. um, I noticed you've been to CES um, 2020. Yes. Have you found something, do you find anything particularly groovy? Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, there's some, so number one, yeah, CES was incredible. It's the largest tech um, event in the world. And they, this year, had a huge um, presence for sleep tech. And it was really fascinating. Um, and so some of the things that were noteworthy or that got, um, you know, kind of some of the uh, awards from CES is, you know, particular levels of innovation. Um, so some, for instance, there is a snoring pillow there that, you know, the snoring topic can be challenging for both the snorer and the partner of um, someone that's snoring. Um, and so there is certain like motion pillows that would move to help um, help people deal with that. So, but more uh, on the, without having to wake them up is the concept. Um, so that one was really interesting. There is also a lot to do with um, kind of biofeedback and as it relates to our ability to notice when we go into some of more of these panic states because um, many of the people that are coming to me are what they're dealing with is that um, kind of often relatable idea of I just cannot turn my brain off. Yes. I, you know, I just feel so 
exhausted and yet my body does not seem to be in alignment with that. Like it's wired, but I'm so tired. Um, yeah. So all of those, those things, those hyper aroused, um, states can point to kind of some of that inability to self soothe and calm ourselves in a way that works. Um, so they had certain, um, meditative headgear that would kind of, you know, set up in a way of similar to, uh, EEG readouts, and that you can see visually your uh, your brain state changing, and then have these moments of like, oh my god, I can I can actually control what state that I'm in through a series of X Y Z, you know, certain calming mechanisms. Um, so that one is can be really empowering for people that are dealing, particularly in the in the camp of insomnia or. Uh, just shorten sleep duration or frequent wake-ups if they want to be able to help calm themselves back down in the middle of the night. Um, so those were really interesting. Then uh, different types of lighting. So bringing in different circadian rhythm lighting. There was um, a pair of glasses that can bring in light therapy, but you know more seamlessly, like just on a pair of glasses that you can't really tell you're engaging in light therapy instead of sitting in front of like a light box um, or, you know, the the big goal is to get everyone outside more is to, yes. like in the in the early days and sorry in the early part of the day um and you know sometimes there's things that have us not be able to do that travel sickness um you know certain parts of the world that we're living in being more challenging to get as much sunlight so those things can be really interesting and there's just so much different types of beds that would heat up cool down um you know different types of apparatuses that you can put on to your bed to um you know make a difference in uh both the timing and comfort and then sound therapies because of course sound is another one we didn't get into but that can be impactful in our ability to sleep and feel you know at ease so there's a lot out there but everyone that i work with largely starts with um something called the Aura Ring, just because it's one of the most user-friendly, easy places to begin um, because you just put it on your hand versus some of the ones that are on the head can be challenging for people to stick with. Um, so, so even just getting some of these mainstay gadgets um, can be a helpful way to automate the, the old uh, adage to begin to keep a sleep diary if you want to take a real look at your sleep. Um, this can automate that process for you. Wow. And and, and there are some people in the world who will absolutely adore obsessing and buying tons of gadgets. And there's a lot of people who will get stressed out by the very nature of the gadget. But the the point is how much actually the technology has leapt forward and technology only ever bothers with an area where there's a sort of significant problem. Really, So it just shows, you know, this is an area that you know, it's a problem in a sort of, in our modern lives, isn't it? It really is yeah. it's something that was really not cracked. And that's why I like this idea of sleep as a skill. So, so um, Molly, um, I keep looking at your picture. Uh, Molly has a great picture on our website, which is a cover yeah. in, covered in confetti. And uh, we were talking <laughs> about it earlier, where you have special pictures done, you're throwing confetti. So yes. I never see that in my life. I love your website, by the way. But um, tell, oh, us how we, tell us how we can get to meet you or get to talk to you or find you online how can we um how can we connect with you and is there anything in particular you want to tell us about what you get getting up to over the next couple of months that we might be interested in joining in with oh sure yeah um so like you pointed to so well yeah sleepisaskill.com is where all these things sort of live and a couple of them are the new 
sleep reset course. We'll take you through a super interactive um, experience. Really, it's not meant to be just like a you buy a course and it's kind of grows cobwebs. It's super interactive. I would be part of the process, and you get um, it's a forty-five day breakdown of your sleep, and every day you are uh, engaging and then getting feedback around your sleep as it relates to how it went the night before, and then setting yourself up from, you know, some of these principles that we go more in depth on to improve your sleep. Um, Really, I'm making the argument that if you are looking to transform your sleep and you're starting at the nights, then it's really almost too late. Like, you know, just get comfy in your bed because, you know, really what we're trying to do is the large bulk of this is done during the daylight hours, um, which is kind of shifts the a way that we look at sleep. You know, of course, there's some things that we do in the evening, of course, but you know, a lot of this um, circadian rhythm entrainment uh, things happen during daylight hours. So we look at that, and then um, also launching uh, the Sleep Is a Skill podcast. Super excited about. Going to nerd out on all topics sleep. Um, committed that lots of practical takeaways with that, and then also doing um, each Monday. In case you haven't noticed, I'm pretty obsessive personality traits. And so I have something called Molly's Monday Obsessions uh, newsletters. And that's all related to the current things that I'm obsessing over in sleep and health and wellness. Uh, Each Monday, those go out. Brilliant. Um, Wow. I mean, the trouble is with sleep, it's it's one of those subjects that it seems really easy until you start unpacking it. And then you realize that you need to spend hours and hours and hours chatting and we haven't got hours and hours and hours. And I'm going to, right. I'm going (laughs) to be very respectful of your time and say, Molly, that's been an amazing, um, um, sort of look at some different areas of sleep and the things that we talked about before. So thank you for that. And, um, and uh, you know, basically, um, I think it's been really fascinating. And what you've demonstrated to me is that there are some fresh approaches which I think is quite exciting, really, isn't it? Oh, well, well, number one, thank you for giving me your time to, you know, speak more about this. It's literally my favorite topic. And, um, and it's so wonderful to, to meet someone that also shares in the enthusiasm. Um, and yeah, I do think it's a fascinating uh, area. And I think it's an area, I'm calling it the sleep renaissance right now, where more and more people are beginning to uh, cue into the importance and urgency of us as a society shifting this kind of rising uh, sleep deprivation rates, uh, you know, in a way that's more um, behavioral based versus, you know, going down a pharmaceutical route or anything of that nature. So I think it's really, I'm really grateful for the time and, um, and excited about what you're putting together and how to help people be more resilient, accountable, and just ready to take on you know, their, their life and their, uh, what they're after. You're just reading my, um, you're reading the words on my screen grabber. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I have, I have your, um, I have your website up and I'm just like, oh my God, this is my guy, you know, really just <laughs> the, the avoidance of burnout. Oh my God. Cause it's really where this all came from for me. And it's, you know, to, to see that you can, um, work through that and get to the other side is just incredible, yeah. <laughs> you know? Brilliant. Holly, it's been an absolute joy and um, I wish you luck with the podcast and um, let me, hopefully we'll drop in and see how you're getting on sometime later next year. And um, yes. thank you. Thank you so much for giving us some time today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. You take care. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. 
Feedback is always welcomed, and if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.